Please pray with me. Gracious God, we do pray for your spirit to fill us so that your word becomes alive to us this morning. Your spirit is the one who leads us into all truth. Father, we wish to hear you speak to us today. Please take away distractions. Please help us to hear what you want us to hear. For we pray in your son's precious name. Amen. Resilience is a buzzword in educational circles these days. We want to build children's ability to bounce back after disappointment or setbacks. We want them to develop character so that they are equipped to face the task, the difficult task, of living in our broken, messy, unfair world. Earlier this week, at a conference, I was pointed to these seven practices which cultivate resilience. And you can see them there, mindfulness, being present, being focused and aware of who you are, mindful of your place and your identity, gratitude and thankfulness, generosity and kindness, perseverance, or what they're calling grit now, continuing to grow, continuing to move forward, regardless of the circumstances, rather than just sitting still and being prone to stagnation. Encouragement from those who know you, so supportive relationships. Partnership, help, assistance, resources from others. And finally, on the list was faith, trust and hope. And the speaker said, well, in our case as Christians, we would have faith and hope in God. Where on earth would you find all these things together in one place? Where would you find them all? Well, today's reading from Colossians 3, without mentioning the word resilience, gives us all guidelines, young and old alike, guidelines for building spiritual resilience. These words encourage us as a church family to build our corporate and our individual resilience. So please turn with me, if you would, to Colossians 3, verse 12, and you'll find that on page 1832. 1832, Colossians 3, we're going to be reading verses 12 to 17. Uh, As you listen to these words, see if you can hear any echoes or see any links that might aid us as a church to grow in resilience. So Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, here we are. We've completed our first term of vacancy. And during that term, we've looked at Matthew 21 to 27, and we've focused in on a couple of things. We've focused in on people's expectations of God in Jesus, and we've raised some questions about identity. On camp last weekend, we looked at our expectations of God, who we are, our church's identity, church as family. And you would have noticed from that list of resilience that being aware of your identity and your place and and the whole idea of having faith were were some of the factors that produce resilience. After journeying through this first stretch of vacancy, are you feeling resilient? Have you bounced back from that news that Dave and Kath were leaving? Have you moved forward since their departure? Are you continuing to move forward in your faith or are you just waiting for the next guy? Are we together as a church family moving forward? Or are we in danger of stagnating? Are we yearning for someone just to do it for us? For those of you who are unable to attend the camp, I'm going to give us a brief summary of some of the things that we were thinking about, namely expectations and identity. So firstly, our expectations of God. And we looked at this because our expectations shape the way we live. Shape the way we live individually and together. So what can we expect from God? Well, one of the things that we can expect from God is the unexpected. We can expect the unexpected. In Isaiah 55, we're told that God's thoughts and God's ways are higher than ours. He is beyond us and he does things his way. He does the unexpected. Who would have expected that the Magi would find the Messiah in a cattle feed trough? Who would have expected that the Messiah would be crucified? We can expect the unexpected from God because his ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. Secondly, we can expect kept promises. Hebrews 6 says that God doesn't lie. God will keep his promises. 
And we've seen that the promises of Abraham have been kept generation after generation and that they are fulfilled in Jesus and that they are continuing to be fulfilled in his people, the church, and will come to complete fulfilment at the end. Now, there are a lot of things that God doesn't promise. God doesn't promise to give us all everything we want. He doesn't promise uh, to answer all our questions. He, he doesn't promise He doesn't promise that we'll have an easy life. But there is one thing that God does promise, and that is his presence. We can expect God's presence. God was present with the people in the garden. God's promise that occurs more often than any other promise in the Bible, I am with you, I am with you, was given to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to to Jacob, to Joseph, to David, to the prophets. Jesus himself comes as Emmanuel, God with us. We have Jesus' presence. When Jesus ascends... The last words he says on the mountain at the end of Matthew, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And then God sends his spirit to indwell us so that we have God's presence. We can expect God to be present with us each and every moment. We can expect God to not be in a hurry. We are finite. We are confined by time and space. God is infinite, beyond time, beyond time. And so as we go through the Bible, we see that God's not in a hurry. 400 years in slavery, 70 years in exile, 700 years before a Messiah is is born, we have prophecies that he will be born 400 years between the old and the new testament 2000 years since the resurrection god is not in a hurry he works differently to us what else can we expect from god we can expect grace upon grace At the worst of times and at the best of times, we should expect to be encountered by God's grace. So secondly, we had a couple of thoughts about a couple of different aspects of our identity. And at the end I said we're all a bit schizophrenic because these two bits of our identity interplay and clash. So like all humans, we are forgetful and sinful. From the garden to the present day, humans have forgotten or refused to accept God's love and sovereignty. We have chosen to rely upon ourselves. Hence we live in a messy, broken deceptive, dysfunctional life. 
we look closely at Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and their families and we saw that despite being recipients of promise and grace, they were forgetful, often ungrateful and blind to what was going on. Just as we saw was the same with Peter in Matthew, wasn't it? Then we looked at an early church, specifically the Corinthians, and they looked good and had so much going for them, but they failed to love. And that proved to be divisive and destructive. So this is who we are. We're full of potential because we're created in the image of God, but we're flawed and broken. Yet God continues to be faithful. One side of our identity. However, in Christ, we have a new identity. And if we were to look at Ephesians chapter 1, just the first 14 verses, we would see that this identity is amazing. So let's look at some of the things. We are saints, we are holy one, we are set apart for God himself. God the sovereign creator, who is love, is your father. You are a child of God. We together have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have every blessing, every spiritual blessing that we need here. We have been chosen in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight. We are adopted sons and daughters and therefore we are co-heirs with the Lord Jesus. We have redemption and forgiveness of sin. We are recipients of lavish grace, lavished upon us It says there in Ephesians, with all wisdom and understanding. We are participants in his will to bring all things under Christ. In effect, we're God's co-workers. We are people of hope, seeking to live for the praise of his glory. There's more, of course. We are hearers and believers of the gospel. The unrelenting good news. We are carriers of that gospel in ourselves. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit so that this cannot change. This is our identity. This is who we are in Christ. But there's much, much more. So we have these two aspects of our identity. We have our flawedness, our brokenness. And at, that t- at times that comes out in our lives and we see it and we show it and we live it. We have, however, a new identity which should all the more be what is pronounced, what is seen, what is lived. At the moment... We're a bit schizophrenic. But God calls us to live up to what we have already attained here. He wants us to grow into 
this new identity. He wants us to become more and more mature. So here we are. Here we are, a bunch of odds and sods whom God has gifted to each other so that we can help build up each other as we rely on him. I want you to have a little look around at who's here today. I know there's lots of people not here today. Have a bit of a look around. Do you consider each person here as a gift, as God's gift to you? Yes, perhaps you might see it as an unexpected gift, but we should expect the unexpected from God. But nonetheless, each person here, each other person is a gift to you. And you are a gift to them. So this is the wondrous family of God that God has gathered together to live and to serve for his glory. God has gathered us by his grace here at Abbotsford at this time. How blessed are we to have each other? How blessed are we to have a time of vacancy? How blessed are we to have the opportunity to build resilience, to build our faith and to live up to what we have already attained. After three and a half months of vacancy, how are you going? How are you going? How are we going? Let's look again at Colossians 3. Do a quick stock take. So Colossians 3.12 tells us what we are already know. We are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. This is your identity. This is our identity. So we need to be who we are. We need to be who we are. Are you living out your identity in Christ? Are you living out your identity in Christ? Because we are holy and dearly loved, we need to clothe ourselves. To clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Young children need help to get dressed. Broken people that I see in hospital when I'm visiting Cairn need help at times to get dressed. People who are older and more frail than us need help to get dressed. God has put us together so that we can be clothed, so that we can clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. He has put us here together, here at this time, because we need others, we need others to be compassionate and kind too. We need others to be humble in the presence of. We need each other 
to be gentle and patient with. Without each other, we are unable to clothe ourselves properly. During the last three and a half months, have you seen any changes in your compassion or the compassion that you've received from others? Have you noticed any changes in kindness and humility, gentleness, patience as we gather? If you've begun to realise that you need more, more of one or more of these, then that's a great start. Would you say, looking at this group as a church, that we are increasingly living out who we are, living up to what we have already attained? Have a look at the beginning of verse 13. Bear with each other. Bear with each other. I know it's only a very small time frame that we're looking at here. But have you noticed yourself becoming increasingly irritated by the idiosyncrasies of others? Rather than bearing with them. Rather than bearing with them. Are you letting little insubstantial things annoy you? Please bear with one another. Has somebody actually done something to grieve you? Forgive them. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Most of you had the opportunity to either by email or being present at the camp to express your opinions on three things that we love about our church and and three things that we would like to see change perhaps. I do apologise to Rhonda and Michael. I didn't didn't get to you, I didn't get the message to you so that you could be part of this. My apologies. At camp, we put together all these things and we used a values clarification process. And I was pleased. I was pleased to find that our top two loves, what we like about ourselves, that we're warm, welcoming, supportive cross-generational community and we want to be biblically biblically centred, Christ-centred and we value practical teaching. So this suggests, if they're the things that we value, it suggests that we are in part at least warm, welcoming, supportive and seeking to be Christ-centred. That is great. But of course we're not perfect, are we? And I think that was verified by one of the things that we want to change. Namely, to a strengthening of our community beyond Sundays. And the other things were the two two major things that you can see there from the numbers. We really had two things that we valued greatly 
And, and two things that we needed to change. We wanted more people to be encouraged and equipped to serve. What a great thing. Uh, we want growth through outreach. Another great thing to desire. So if we're going to pursue these things, we need to keep on growing in compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. And as it says right there in verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's what we need. That's what we want. That's what we need to strive for. There is so much more, so, so much more that that we could see from this passage. But I just want to make one further observation uh, about something that is central to living out our true identity and developing resilience. And this is found at the end of verse 15. See it there, and be thankful. Oh, it's also there at the end of 16. With gratitude in your hearts. Oh, and verse 17. It must be important. And and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We have much to be thankful for each and every day. Thankfulness builds resilience. How does it do that? How does thankfulness build resilience? Well, it helps us to focus on the giver of every good and perfect gift. It helps us to focus on God, but also also it reminds us of who we are. We are recipients of promise and grace. So thankfulness... Thankfulness. One term down. How would you assess our standing? For me, I don't think we're going too badly. I don't think there are any real signs of stagnation. There are things that we've missed, things that we've overlooked. However, if we work together and rely on God's strength, we have a great opportunity to grow. As the vacancy continues, if we are not clothing ourselves on a daily basis, and you wouldn't go to work naked every morning, if you're not clothing yourselves on a daily basis with these things, maybe we'll just drift. Please don't let us drift. Please don't let us look for for just someone to do things for us instead of doing things with us. Doing things together as our family. So keep challenging yourself on a daily basis in the coming months more and more to clothe yourselves and more and more individually to live up to what we have already attained. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we need you. And we know our weakness and our frailty. 
but we know your strength and love. So please, each day, remind us of your good goodness. Enable our hearts to respond with thankfulness. And please help us to long to grow, to grow in kindness and compassion, humility and gentleness. Patience and love. Amen.